Hey, this is Tash. And this is Jimmy. And we are here with episode four of Riding in the Weeds. And today we're talking about blocking out the noise. Ideas for how we can do it. Ways that it's challenging sometimes. And, you know, just generally some tips that we've learned along the way with our biking, horse riding, and just generally dealing with other animals and being in life. How's it going, Jenny? Ah, it's good. This this has come up for me a lot lately. I think it's a good time to talk about it because I feel like if you're going to be, I don't want to say successful because I'm not sure I like that word either, but you know, riding bikes well and riding horses well requires a lot of focus. And you definitely it's, have to be able to block things out in order to do it. It's absolutely true. And I think that's why we really enjoy these sports. People that do enjoy the sports really enjoy the sports. I was talking to someone recently about running. And, you know, running's kind of like meditative. Because it's not so much about blocking out the noise as you can really get in the rhythm of what you're doing. And there's generally, I mean, if you're trail running, maybe it's slightly different, but there's generally not like life or death things that you really need to focus on and be aware of. So you can go into that meditative state where when you're on a bike, when you're on a horse, it is really about blocking out the noise that's going on in your head, blocking out the, you know, when you're dealing with an animal, of course, you've got to manage the other distractions that are happening around you and and on a bike maybe it's not quite the case you're more really just managing the trail you're managing the thoughts in your head you're managing all of the different pieces and if you can't find a way to take your brain I, I always tell people our brain has two tracks and we can we can't be on two tracks at the same time we can only think about one thought really at one time so if you're if you're in a state of panic, if you're coming up to a skinny or a feature or a rock roll that is intimidating to you, the way to deal with it is to concentrate on how you're going to succeed. And if you focus on heels down, strong core, look ahead, I got this, heels down, strong core, look ahead, I got this, your brain does not have the ability to have the other conversation, which otherwise looks like, oh God, I'm gonna die. I don't think I can do this. Holy, I'm not, I don't know. Oh my God, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Stop, 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 stop. And you start looking for ways to escape. So instead of looking at how, like, your strong entry that's gonna take you to your strong exit, you start seeing that you're gonna get onto that wooden thing and then your wheel's gonna go to the left and you're gonna crash and you've already created the entire scene of destruction that's happening in front of you and over many 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 years of both personal experience and working with other people it is really as simple as deciding what train you want your brain to go on and and when we're riding bikes for me it's about focusing on what you need to do to succeed focusing on how to come in strong and exit strong whatever happens in the middle well that's just what happens between a strong entry and a strong exit and if you can block out that noise, then you're able to move through it. Yeah. And it, it really is very similar when you're riding horses, except they know when your brain is busy doing all the other things. And frankly, I've said it before in a number of episodes that if you're going to get distracted and not be thinking clearly about what you're doing and what's going on in front of you, you're going to get bucked off. You're going to fall off your bike. You know, you're going to miss something or fall off the curb or whatever. And the same is true with the horses. Like if you're not really present with what you're doing, then you're going to come off. And I know, I know people who have come off at the dumbest times 
but they weren't present. And that's why they came off. There's a funny quote. I've written a blog post a while ago. There's an author named Mark Rashid who wrote a book. I believe it was in his Horsemanship Through Life book. And he, he had been riding out with his old cowboy who was teaching him to ride. And he fell off in a rather dramatic fashion into a creek. And he was upset when he got up. And the old man says, well, you quit riding an hour ago. The truth of that statement was he wasn't present. He wasn't truly riding the horse anymore. And in our world, we have so many distractions. There's so many opportunities. You know, what are you going to make for dinner? What do you have to pick up from the store? What the kids need, what your spouse needs, what the house needs cleaning, you know, work things. There's so many different things. And I think that the practice of developing the focus in the moment is what makes the difference between succeeding and not succeeding. And we always have choices where we want to put our focus, even though sometimes it feels like we don't, but we really truly do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, it's something that I am actually incredibly good at when I'm on my bike. And I have to say that it is something that I really, I don't want to use the word struggle, but it's something I'm constantly having to work on both with my, you know, you talk about the horses and how they know if you're distracted, well, so do other people. Right. And if you're trying to communicate with people and you're trying to move through a leadership role, trying to have a conversation with your partner in life or it is, if you're not present and you're not there and you're just responding from the emotional side of things or you've been triggered and you don't focus on what you're really trying to do to connect with that person, it doesn't work. And to say for me, it's sort of something that, you know, we had three weeks of people staying and visiting and eight days of that was my mom. And it was really, really hard to take time to get my work done and focus on the things that needed to happen in my life. So that didn't fall to the side. And then really trying to figure out how I could be present with her and how I could create a really enjoyable, memorable experience with her whilst not being distracted by all the noise around our relationship and things that have happened in the past and just sort of that fear that I might do something. I just really wanted them to have a good time. And, and I found myself constantly having to come back to that focus of the most important thing here is that I get to spend time with my parents and I get to spend time with my mom. And I want us just all to feel like we've had time together. It doesn't actually matter what we're doing or whether everybody's having fun, you know, what it was about was connection. And I think that's how we block out the noise again is by, looking at how we how we can succeed yeah the tibetan monks uh, and other monks in a number of different places around the world turn everything into that kind of focused and detailed practice of being present in a lot of ways i i strive for that like you said it's easy on the bike it's easy on the horse for me because it's very practiced and you can very quickly get into trouble you know injured trouble when you don't and so now my goal is how can I take that kind of concept and that kind of feeling and apply it to the other areas of my life. Most sports are like this. Most sports and even artwork and different mu music and things like that. So if you're struggling in one area of your life, where can you look at another area where you may already be good at this? You know, where you may already have these skills that you can apply to be able to have more presence in the rest of your life in the mundane areas like making dinner. If you get too distracted making dinner, you burn something. I mean, that's what happens. So how can you be present and just turn all of it into 
just this beautiful flow practice. There is a book called Flow that's written about this very topic. And it, it, they have done a ton of research into it and how to achieve it. So if you're looking for a major deep dive into it, I highly recommend that book. I'm not even going to attempt to say the author's name because it's in another language and I cannot pronounce that. But we can put it in the show notes for you if you're looking for it. It's funny because that reminds me of a book that I read several years ago that was it's about flow. And actually, the author ended up writing a a teenage book and it's all about flow and it's actually it's the reason I can't wear an Apple iWatch because it's about how you know they put these watches on and then these kids are in this situation they have to save the world and what's really interesting is they don't know this till the very end and they're taken on this there's these six kids and they go on this really fun camp and they're learning to tightrope walk and they're learning to skydive and they're learning to do all these things and then at the end it's like there's this test and if they fail they will die and also humanity will be over because mm. the bad guys take over, right? And and there's a, the one scene at the end and she's about to go on the tightrope that she's just been loving. She's like, oh my God, I never thought I could do this sort of thing. And she's, it's this incredible experience. And then suddenly she's given this noise that if you fall, you fail and we all die, Right. And so she's like now stuck in this space of doing something that she actually really enjoys and loves and has found the flow state every time she's done it. And her boyfriend says to her, you know what, just look at everything and go have fun. And it's kind of where my teaching around focus on the smile. If you put a smile on your face and you focus on nothing but keeping that smile on your face, what happens is are able to run you know what you're doing you know how to do this and when you focus on just that smile or that joy or that love and the excitement of what that finish line looks like back into that flow space and and all the noise is blocked out by that one thought of I gotta keep a smile on my face and you know you're careering down the hill on the bicycle and it becomes a little more of a grimace but you know, the idea being that if you're focused on that end, that end goal, that enjoyment, that flow and that joy versus all of the things that could go wrong, we can keep coming back to that flow. And it just loved the story because it really, it was exactly what we deal with in everything in life. And especially, you know, when we're in those moments where we think we're going to crash, how do we, how do we block out that noise? Because if we focus on crashing, and no matter what part of your life, it's exactly what's what's going to happen. Yeah. I think the challenge is that it's very easy when we're doing our, our sport or our passion. It's easy to find that flow state and that joy, even if it's hard or challenging or if it's a rainy day or it's really hot or whatever the thing might be. It's a lot easier to do it when we're already doing something we love. But when it comes to the things that are necessary in life, you know, whether you're running a business, there's a lot of administrative tasks and behind the scenes work that's not fun. I mean, frankly, even content creation can get not fun a lot of the times. And so how do we find that focus and that presence despite the things that are not as pleasant to work through? You just have to keep borrowing from your passions. You build up the skills and things that you really like to do and that you enjoy. And then you can turn around and apply that back over to things that are harder and more of a challenge. But it's even come down to me for 
like choosing whether or not I'm going to be on my phone, like choosing whether or not I'm going to scroll. Like, is that activity in that moment really something that's serving my greater purpose? Or is that going to either numb me out or not make me feel very good in the end? Like, sure, there's a dopamine hit. It's proven there's a dopamine hit when you're scrolling social media. Like, that's why it works. But am I going to feel better later? Or am I going to go back to feeling like crap or feel worse than when I started? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I find myself when I'm avoiding and I know I have a lot of work to do, I'm tired and I'm not going to do it. And it's almost like I think that my phone inside of my phone are the answers to the universe or the answers to my happiness. And I'll go into my messenger and I'll check my messages and I'll go into my WhatsApp and I'll check my WhatsApp and then I'll go into Facebook and see if anything's in my notifications. And then I'm like, okay, is there another app I can check? Is there anything exciting going on out there? Or am I going to have to start scrolling for entertainment? And that's at the point where I realize that I am, I'm just looking, I'm not getting the dopamine. And I know if I open that email box, I'm going to go down a whole different path that I probably don't want to go down at 10 o'clock at night when I'm just trying to distract myself to sleep, right? And it is, it's a really interesting, I've taken the notifications off my phone so it doesn't ding all the time and I have to remember to go and check. And I feel like I used to when back in the day when I'd get home and I'd check my answer phone machine and I was so excited to hear those messages. But our today's world, it's like, we're avoiding. And so being aware of that and being like, okay, there's a couple of things that you said that I wanted to jump in and make note of. First was the taking something from one place in your life where you're really doing it well and putting that into another place. I think I was listening to a podcast years ago. It was about relationships. And maybe you're doing really good at work and you're doing all these things at work and and it's working, but you come home and your relationship isn't. And it's like, can you look at why this relationship is successful and and these ones aren't and maybe transfer? And then sometimes we see that we're putting energy in the wrong places. And I really got through a lot of stuff by literally go for a mountain bike ride up a hill and every rock that I went over. And every time I cleaned something that was hard, I reminded myself, that's another email. You can do it on your bike. You can do it on the computer. You're doing life death defying things on your bike and you're terrified of what's on your computer. And it started to rewire the way I was thinking about things. And the second one I wanted to kind of jump into was being present with what you want in your experience. And my biggest sort of tip here is doing that future vision right like whether you're walking into work you're going home and you're seeing your partner you're going for a bike ride you're going for a horse ride what is the story that you want to be telling at the coffee shop at the end of the ride what is the story that you want to be talking about that you had and the experience that you had on your horse that day how do you want to talk about your relationship with your girlfriends or boyfriends or whomever how do you want that to look? And if you can have that North Star where you know what the vision is and you know at the end of the bike ride you want to be sitting in the, the coffee shop talking about, oh, my God, you'd never believe it. You know, I didn't make it over some things, but I wasn't frustrated like I normally am. I had a smile on my face the whole time. And you know what? I crashed three times. And it didn't matter. Normally that sort of stuff totally messes me up, throws my mojo. But today it was like nothing could ruin my buzz. I was out there having fun, and it was the best bike ride I've ever been on. And now that's my vision. That's what's going to happen at the end of my bike ride. So when I hit that rock and I think about being frustrated, I have a choice. Let it go 
or be frustrated because if I'm frustrated, I can't have that conversation at the end of my bike ride. And it starts to rewire and starts to create that way of blocking out the noise in one side because you're already on that track of what you're what you're wanting to create and that conversation that you want to have after it's done gives you, as I say, that North Star to make better decisions. Yeah. And I think that all this really applies having come off the holidays here. We're about to hit New Year's, so we're sort of wrapping up the holiday season. And I know for myself that it's been a little bit of an evolution in managing the expectations of the holiday season. And at some point, when you're feeling overwhelmed, you just have to stop and ask yourself, what really is your priority? And I know many times when I actually check in in that moment, what I find is that overwhelm is often the result of me placing expectations or feeling a should as I'll put it, feeling that I should be doing something. Sometimes that should is reasonably valid and sometimes it's someone else's expectation of me. Like I should be sending Christmas cards or I should be doing X, Y, Z for other people. And I'm at a point now where it's like, you know, I have to sleep at night. And if I can sleep fine at night without sending Christmas cards, I'm not sending Christmas cards. You know, like, is it disappointing? Sure. You know what I like to? Yeah. But right now there's just not room for that. And so I can't have that as a priority competing with all of the other things that I feel are legitimate priorities and need to be addressed in my life right now. And so not catering to, you know, the perception of other people's expectations of you can really help cut out the noise a lot. And you may piss some people off. Some people may be disappointed. But if you're not disappointed in you, then no one else can tell you it doesn't matter. You know, like only you can determine how you feel about your situation at the end of the day. And I think that that's something we got to kind of, again, like you said, I like the North Star image. Like you need to keep coming back to that. What is the priority here? When I think your Christmas card example is actually a really good one because what what is your actual outcome that you're looking for, right? Why do we send out Christmas cards? Why do we buy Christmas presents? Why do we bake cookies on Christmas? Like, what is it that we need out of that experience? And once we figure out why we're doing it, wow, I bake cookies every Christmas because that's what my mom did. And I don't feel like I'm an okay mom if I'm not doing the same thing. And a good mom bakes cookies and we have these stories and that's the noise, right? I baked cookies for my neighbors because I really wanted to give something to people that I knew would make them smile. And I make really good chocolate chip cookies. So I spent an afternoon, I made a bunch of cookies in my camper oven, I'd just like to say. And they were so good. And everyone said they were awesome. And the reason I do that is because when I give people cookies, like honestly, I bought a bunch of presents for our friends from home and made sure that like the important people that we were spending Christmas with, that I had a gift for them. And then in every gift, they got two cookies. And I kid you not, every single person opened their gift and like they saw there were two things and they were like, cookies! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Cookies are the best. (laughs) There's two cookies in there, handmade with love. 
cost me almost nothing. And then there's like this gift I've spent money on. And honestly, they were very stoked by the gift, but the amount of joy that I got from that. And so when my husband says, why are you making cookies? We don't really have time for this. Like we're busy. This is like, no one expects cookies. I say, because I get so excited. <laughs> when other people are excited by the fact that I've given them cookies, that's like a Christmas present to me. And so I'm going to remember that. And next year, that's why I'm doing cookies. There's no expectation of anybody else. My mom never made cookies. It's not something we ever did. But for me, that lights me up. And I think that that's how, again, how we start to block out that noise is by why would I need to write Christmas cards? I've never written Christmas cards. The outcome is that you want people to know you're thinking of them. So, I mean, don't have time for Christmas cards. Well, 10 minutes on Christmas morning with your Facebook messenger and your texts and you send everyone a little, the most important people get a personalized Christmas message on their phone because that's what you're yeah. able to do. And honestly, they're probably going to be just as happy that you reached out, that they were thought of, whether they got it in the mail or they got it through the phone. It's just a question of whether you're okay with doing it that way. Yeah. I, I love that example too, because sometimes I think that we have this perception that, well, this is a priority and this is exactly how it should look. Again, that's pressure from outside that isn't necessarily true. You know, can we do this in another way that'll result in the same thing? You know, even going back to the bikes and riding, like, is there a way to accomplish the goal? Maybe it doesn't look quite like you thought it should or quite like the very end goal. But where can you start here that will help accomplish that? So you're just taking a smaller step, but you're still on the same track to the same goal, ultimately. I, and I think that's what matters, you know? And that's really cool. I'd like to maybe just get you to talk a little bit about your experience of, of going from, and very quickly, like, I want to ride a bicycle. I'm going to go and buy a bike. And how long did it take? And, and did it look anything like what? you thought it was going to look like and how was it that you kept persevering through not being able to get a bike through little ups and downs that actually like blocked you even getting on the bike for the first time yeah how long did it take you from i'm going to get a bike to i have a bike to ride to you actually being able to get out of the parking lot yeah that is actually i'm glad you brought that up because it really is a great example of this so i didn't ride a bike as a kid i learned very briefly but I spent my third grade year on crutches because I had a bunch of orthopedic surgery to correct some issues with my legs. So I literally never learned to ride a bike proficiently. And our neighborhood, I didn't have any incentive because there were no kids in our neighborhood for me to go ride with. So just didn't do it. And my boyfriend started talking about wanting to get a bike about a year or so ago. And he got very jazzed up about it. And so we went and found him a bike. And we ended up with Trek bikes and our local shop has been super helpful. And so I told him, I don't know what to do. And I know there's an awful lot of bikes out there and I have no idea. I don't even know where to start. So we went and talked to the guys at the shop and they were super helpful with helping me to figure out what would work best for me. And I got to try out another bunch of bikes sitting on them to see how I felt comfortable. And, you know, I told him I've been riding horses for years, so this might be easier and it might be harder. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, you'll be fine. Like all the, all the bike riders I know that are horse riders are great. So I'm like, okay, good. That, that's working in my favor. Right. 
And I did have to order it because, of course, being still the tail end of the pandemic and supply was an issue. So I didn't get it till December of last year. So actually, it really has only been a year since I got my bike. And I was delighted because in talking with the guys, I told them, you know, I was concerned about putting all of the pieces together of riding the bike. You know, there's balance, there's pedaling, there's steering, there's, you know, looking where you're going. There's a lot of components that all have to come together all at once. And for me personally, I know the more I can break down tasks and break down challenging things physically, the easier it is for me to put all the pieces back together much more quickly. And I told him I was really worried about trying to figure all this stuff out, like, you know, get your feet on the pedals and push and all this. And he was like, well, take your pedals off. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. He was like, well, yeah, just take the pedals off when you start. And so I literally started riding my bike by just scooching around the street. Like our street's very quiet. It's a dead end road. So I would just go out there in front of the house and just push myself along like a little kid. And that was how I started to get some of the balance control. And then my boyfriend was finally like, just put your pedals back on. <laughs> so I had some pushing, you know, from people that cared about me and were like, just do it. You know, and then we went to our library has a very nice big parking lot that's pretty, pretty level and has a little path. So we started at the library and then we found a few places around a ride that just have nice, easy paved paths. Like I'm not going to be an off-roader. That's not really my goal for riding a bike, but I want to be able to go out and have fun and ride around. If we go out of town or go, go places, I want to be able to go ride in those areas, you know, and just enjoy myself. So far, that's exactly what we're doing. And I only had one near crash when I came around a corner a little too fast. We were on a loop trail and we reversed the loop and the corner kind of caught me by surprise. And there was also a holly bush. I really didn't want to land in a holly bush. <laughs> so I chose to like kind of take the corner wide and go off the side of the trail. And I was laughing the whole time because I yelled, whoa, like I'm about to fall. and. I didn't, but yeah, it was, and then I'm the next thing I yelled because my boyfriend was in front of me because I do better following him and watching, you know, how he's handling things. And he was in front of me. And so the next thing I yell is, I'm okay, <laughs> fine, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was just all these baby steps, like to get to the goal. And so we're not riding nearly as long or as far as I want to yet, but we just keep taking baby steps and I just don't worry about it. You know, so yeah, that's all that they're, they're not worrying about it. So how did you block out the noise of all of the the thoughts that you could have had when you're strider biking as a grown adult outside your looking house? ridiculous, right? Like how did you? <laughs> yeah, how did you kind of block out the this is ridiculous? Oh my god, what people would think of me? When we kind of think, oh, I'm going to go and get a bike. And then what we imagine in our heads is five minutes later, we're riding along our trail and the hair is flowing behind us and we're laughing. Riding into the sunset. We yes. ride into the sunset, right? And then here you are taking months to go yes. from purchasing the bike to actually riding into the sunset. And you're still not. Yeah. Well, you were mostly, but you know, you're still on your way to that feeling that you thought would be instant. Yeah. The other thing I did do, I'll add to that, is I got a bike trainer. So I ride in the house because I knew I wanted to build up stamina because it, when I first started, there was no way I was going to be able to ride for an hour even outside. And so I wanted to have some stamina built up. So again, broke down the process into smaller steps. 
And I will give credit to the horsework that I've done for being able to look ridiculous outside my front street with no pedals on my bike because my horse is a draft horse, so he's extremely large. He's over six foot at the shoulder and he weighs about 2,000 pounds and he's very powerful and very strong. And over the course of our relationship, I have had to manage my own fear big time and my own confidence big time. And I have learned that if I don't take that extremely seriously, then I'll blow it and yeah, I won't be going out again. And yes, I have had to have some pushing here and there with the bike, you know, like just put your stinking pedals back on for real. Like you've got this, you know, sometimes I need people to remind me that I do have this. But by the same token, I also have learned where my limits are. And there was one day that we decided to go out riding. It was a beautiful day. And there was a park that's not far from us that we wanted to check out. And we get there and I'm looking around the parking lot and there's like nobody with bike racks on the cars. And I'm like, are we supposed to be here? Can we ride here? And the trails were like a stone dust. So not paved, but not like bad gravel or anything. And we went over and read the signboard and there was nothing that said that bikes weren't allowed. But again, like I didn't see anybody else with bikes. And so we headed out and my boyfriend stuck me in the front, which I know you're supposed to put novice riders in the front, but I'm so green on certain trails that I want to watch the person in front of me. It helps me focus better. I can see what they're doing to know what's coming a little better. And so he stuck me in the front. And I headed down the trail and it kind of curved. And as I came down the hill around the curve, you know, not loose gravel, but it's stone dust. So it's not like stopping on pavement. And I look ahead and there's a family with like two or three kids. And then there's another family with a dog further down. And they're all coming like towards each other. And I'm like, nope. I literally, I like stopped and I turned around I'm like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. There's too many people. The terrain was more than I felt like I could deal with. If any one of those components had been by themselves, it probably would have been fine. But there were like six different things going on all at once. And at this point, we really hadn't ridden out anywhere yet other than the library parking lot where there's like no one. And the little trail around the library where maybe we saw one person on a good day. And I, I was so upset. I was partially upset with myself that number one, I felt like I couldn't do it. And number two, that I didn't recognize that it was too much before we headed into it. And I was kind of upset, but we found another park that was amazing. There was absolutely no one there. And it was a very short loop, which was the disappointing part. It was only like a half mile, but we basically got to race around this loop by ourselves a whole lot because there was no one there to bother us. So, you know, sometimes you do figure these things out by going too far. But it's recognizing like, oh, this is more than I can handle at this moment with where my priorities are and where my focus is. I need to step back. And, you know, I've learned that with the horses that like, if I don't respect those boundaries, then it gets way, way, way worse. And I would rather not go there. So you just have to kind of keep it in perspective and be willing to say, you know what, this is not it right now and change, pivot to get back into focus and into line with where you are in the moment. Yeah, so ab- absolutely. There were a few few key points in there. And like one is that we don't actually look ridiculous when we're out trying something. And that's something I say to people all the time. I'm like, when you're on the trail and you're waiting for your friend and you decide to do some figure eights in practice, 
people going by you aren't looking at you and and judging you because you look ridiculous. They're all looking at you going, oh, I should probably do some of that too, right? Like you're actually triggering probably in most people a like, oh, look at that girl. She's practicing. That's a smart thing to do, right? So most people will look at anybody doing something that's obviously outside of their comfort zone and actually be like, oh, maybe I should do something out of my comfort zone as opposed to be laughing at you, unless you're doing something that's ridiculous and not going to get you anywhere, then you might have it. So you want to have your second point that I put here was support, right? You had the bike shop. They told you what you wanted to do. You had me telling you what you needed to do. You had Eddie making sure that you didn't go too long putting those pedals back on. So that whole time you were you were having that support. So you knew that you weren't doing something that was ridiculous. You were doing something that you'd been told by a professional that was your next step. The last one is like talking about being in front versus being behind. And what I really find is when you can follow somebody else's line, I don't care whether you're new to anything. If you've got a mentor, if you've got somebody who you can follow the way they're doing it, literally on a bike, following somebody so you can see which way they go, how they deal with different obstacles. They're taking care of the scary stuff. They're managing it for you. You can see it coming. When we have someone we can follow, we're able to build that trust inside of ourselves, which enables us to do those little steps and feel really, really good about each one of them. And then again, sometimes it's really good. Like if we've been following for too much, too long, it's really important to be put out in front and be forced to be the one who actually now has to create your own line because that's your next step, right? So it's kind of those baby steps and recognizing or having the support of people that can kind of recognize when you're like, you know what, now it's time for you to level up. Now it's time to do the next thing. And it's applicable, I think, to everything. And I think that is kind of the key. If you set your intention, you set your goal, you gather that support, you find people to follow, And then you're able to prioritize and you're able to block out that noise because when the noise gets too much, you've either got people to talk to or you've, you've got a clear path because you know where you're going. And as you said as well, like sometimes we learn by going a little bit too far and making mistakes and then being like, okay, that didn't get me to where I'm going. What's my goal again? Reposition, reprioritize and go. And I think really the whole purpose of our title of riding in the weeds It's not about not being in the weeds. You're always going to end up in the weeds at some point. And if we're trying to control that, that's when the noise becomes too much. And that's when we get completely stopped and we have to completely restart because we've allowed it to get too noisy. I think that is like the best point to wrap up this episode with is that you should always be following someone. Find someone that you admire, that is like you would like to be at some point to focus on ahead of you. I kind of view it this way with the work that I do. I have mentors. I have a trainer that I work with my horse. I have business coaches that I follow and people that I work alongside of. I have peers like you and other people that are succeeding in ways that I want to succeed. And if you surround yourself with people who are doing the things that you want to do, then that's going to help you. And I know that where I am in my business and where I am with my riding and with my horses, there are people that are going to look up to me. 
And there are people who are where I used to be and that they are going to be able to follow me. And so it's just this one continuous line of always ever evolving and moving forward. But if you don't make the choice to choose, okay, no, I'm not going to focus on the noise over here. I'm going to go focus on what's going on over here, which is where I want to go. Like, then you won't get anywhere. You have to make that decision to decide that the noise is not worth paying attention to. And that's really what it boils down to. If you want to achieve anything in life, you've got to be able to cut out the noise. 100%. Absolutely. So I think on that note, we are at time. (laughs) And this has been amazing. I'm Tash, and you can find me at Betty Gohard. My website's still not looking great, but BettyGohard.com is my website. I am on Instagram as at BettyGohard, and you can find me on Facebook as Natasha Lockie. And how about you, Jenny? Where can we find you? Yeah, so I am on the web at SoulPetConnections.com. That is connections with an S. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the same handle. And we'd love for you to like, follow, and subscribe. Leave us comments. Let us know what you think about this or if you've had experiences in life. You can certainly reach out to both of us either through the podcast or online somewhere. We'd love to chat and talk about life. So thank you so much. This has been a blast today. Yeah, this has been super, super fun. So thank you. And yeah, you guys have a fabulous day. Awesome. We'll see you on the next episode.